You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. I woke up at 5 a.m. Put on my camouflage. Wiped off my 243 and fired up my Dodge. Headed out to my old deer stand back in the pines. Gonna get me a 10-point buck with a And welcome back to Jim Strader Outdoors, hour number two. The numbers tonight, we're doing open lines. If you're just joining the show, 571-8484 or 1-800-444-8484. Let me set the plate for hour number two in case you're just joining us. We're talking about some updates on Kentucky's uh, deer season numbers to date, which would include uh, deer harvested today up until, I guess, not end of day, but today being the last day of the season, I guess is the way I should say that. And we compared them to previous years. Um, some interesting things jumped out here, and uh, we talked a bit about it. One of the things is that we have a a uh, very robust harvest overall. It looks like 139,875 deer, 55% bucks, 45% does. I was hoping the does would be represented in a higher fashion uh, because of the liberalization of some of the regulations, but we've still got season to go. We've got crossbow still open. We've got archery still open. And uh, so we'll see, uh, you know, how these numbers turn out after the all the numbers are crunched. Obviously, there's some deer that will be checked this evening that will add to these numbers, hopefully, for those of you who were out in the field. We're also talking about the transition into small game hunting. I was out uh, several times here in the past week or so. Had a real nice rabbit hunt down in Webster County. Statewide, I'm hearing pretty good reports of significant numbers of rabbits in areas that have good cover. Uh, as we know, in this day and age of the coyote and the bobcat, if you don't have good hard cover, and what I mean by hard cover is hard briar, honeysuckle runs, um, real dense overgrown fence rows that are almost impenetrable, and or uh, warm season grass plots, which are a tremendous boon 
to small game like rabbits and quail. Uh, squirrels are getting ready to rut. As a matter of fact, they're actually starting to rut right now in many of the counties around the state. I'm going to roll out the little red dog in the morning, and I'll probably have a report for you uh, about the results of that. But I've had her out several times, been waiting for the rut, because that's the period of the year when the males are out of the dens, rambling, looking for prospective mates, and makes them very visible. I'm sure any of you who've been sitting in the deer stands in the woods, muzzleload hunting, have noticed this. They're really starting to ramble and roll, and that makes excellent opportunities for dog hunters and just small game hunters who want to ramble out in the winter woods for squirrels. The next two to three weeks are going to be the peak of squirrel activity before the really harsh weather hits and causes a lot of them to go into semi-hibernation. They have had a lot of days here recently when they stayed in the dens because of rain and or wind. We seem to have been plagued with a lot of wind this time. Um, I'm sure most of you have noticed that, and I certainly don't have to tell you that we've had plenty of rain. So <laughs> wind and rain are kind of been the words of the day for many days on end here in the fall period. Um, had several callers in the first hour about their deer hunting opportunities. Had a really cute youngster named Jacob who called in and harvested a deer and was Excited about his new shotgun to go rabbit hunting with his dad. And those are the kind of stories I love to hear because I can guarantee you that 13-year-old youngster will never forget those hunts with his father. And I suspect he'll grow up to be a fine and upstanding young man as a result of that time spent with his dad. It's kind of hard to interact with your dad when your nose is in a computer or a video game. It's not shared... uh, quality time compared to what happens in the outdoors. So if any of you out there can do so, please take a youngster to the outdoors uh, here in this period of the year when the seasons are open and there's a lot of things to do. I know a lot of you probably had youth out hunting deer during the deer season, and that's certainly a great way to introduce them to big game hunting. But small game is and should be the backbone of the way to mentor a youngster because it's a lot more social activity in general. You know, following rabbit dogs or squirrel dog or a quail dog where you can talk to your partner and move about freely. And it just there's a little more interaction, I guess I should say, amongst the participants. And, and uh, deer hunting certainly has a social aspect, but it's nothing like what you have with small game, and I love it all. So um, I'm going to really ramp up my small game hunting here as we uh, move into this period around the holidays. It's always a time to spend with friends and reconnect with folks that enjoy the small game traditions that have existed in this state since back when the settlers came across the, the Appalachian Mountains. So I'd encourage you, if you have a chance, take a youngster out there, get them involved, and uh, enjoy some of the things that we've enjoyed back when we didn't have deer and turkeys and our small game was all we had. You know, I I will say something here, and I think it's appropriate to say, uh, 
I, I remember so well the quail hunting, rabbit hunting, overall small game activities that we had prior to the 78 winter, which pretty well put the death knell on a lot of our small game for several years moving forward. And the number of rabbits that we had prior to fescue becoming the soil holding plant of choice really decimated the rabbit numbers and quail numbers statewide. And it was part of a bigger picture where farming practices changed. We got into big farms where fence rows were torn out, uh, cover areas were minimalized. And you're talking about a kind of a triple whammy. We went forward from the terrible winter kill that we had that that year to changes in the farming practices. We were already reeling from the introduction of fescue. And the next thing you know, here came the coyotes. And when these coyotes got hold, they have spread to virtually every county. And they have a very significant impact on the numbers of small game, especially in areas with cover that I would have to consider marginal. You know, in the old days, you could go down about any overgrown fence row and kick out a rabbit or two. And nowadays, you could kick miles of light fence row and (laughs) hardly ever see a rabbit if there's a significant number of coyotes in there. They're very, very, very effective predators and uh we talked earlier in the program. I had a youngster who was invited on a quail hunt with my buddy Mark Nethery. First time he'd ever quail hunted. And I made a remark to Corey before we started. I said, I want you to watch how these bird dogs cover ground. I want you to watch how efficient their noses are. I want you to watch the stamina that they have. And I want you to relate that to a coyote that would work the same piece of ground during daylight and dark hours and imagine how many rabbits or quail could survive that type of day-after-day, night-after-night predatory activity. It's pretty amazing uh, to think about. Of course, now we've got bobcats everywhere. Kentucky and Indiana are absolutely loaded with bobcats. Um That's another question I'd like to throw out there tonight. How many of you, while you were deer hunting, saw bobcat? Uh, It's not uncommon now to see them in daylight. Uh, Again, they're growing in numbers county by county at an alarming rate, and I'll be darned if I really know what to relate it to. It's kind of an odd situation that's uh, certainly been explosive in the last 10 years, so if you've seen Bobcat, maybe got comments about coyotes. If you got questions about the deer harvest, if you got observations about the deer season, love to hear from you. The number is 571 8484 or 1 800 444 8484. This break is presented by SMI Marine. They got deals on their electronics and trolling motors right now leading up to their year end sale. They also have StarCraft pontoons, express boats, and several really nice used boats for sale. All the 2018s are dealer invoice. So you need to go see them, and I want to remind you they'll be in booth 4020, 
4020 at the Sport Boat and Vacation Show, January 23rd through 27th. Remember, you never get soaked by my friends at SMI Marine. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors. Again, we're doing open lines tonight. The number is 571-8484 or 1-800-444-8484. Let's go to Mark, who's calling from Louisville. Yes, Mark. Yeah, Jim. uh, Really like your show. Thank you very much. I know that uh, the the Cody, there's a, uh, oh, it's a, it's open season all year, right, for Coyote, right? That's correct. Yeah. And then, uh, so what about the Bobcats? I know you were talking about them, but is there a specific season for them? Uh, yes, there is. Let's see here if I can bring it up real quick. My, one of the questions while I'm looking this up is uh, the season dates are November 24th through February 28th. Oh, okay. Now, I have a question for you, and it's a question for the general audience. A lot of folks that I talk to would love the opportunity to hunt bobcat during the gun deer season because that's when they're out there with a gun. Uh, In other words, that's when they're spending most of their time in the woods. Uh, A lot of those folks are seeing bobcat and would like the opportunity to, to harvest them during the Deer season, do you have any thoughts about that? Does that interest you? Do you against that? What's your thought? Yeah, I think that would be great. I mean, uh, why not? You know, like you said, that's that's when you're going to see them, and, and you've got a gun in your hand, so why not? Well, have you seen Bobcat when you were hunting? No, I never have. Uh, I know uh, my two sons, I think both, both of them have in the past. They... They've been hunting the last few years and down in Barron County. I haven't had a chance to get out in the field for a few years. I but, see. Uh, I know the last the last few years they've hunted, hunted in Barron County, and they've both seen, uh, seen some. But uh, okay. I, I never have it myself. All right. Well, I was just curious about that because yep. the uh, numbers of them have exploded. And I hear from a lot of guys, man, I – see these bobcats when I'm out there deer hunting, but I can't shoot them, and it's frustrating because, you know, that's when I'm spending the majority of my time afield. A lot of guys, for a good example, take their vacation. A lot of guys and gals take their vacation time to coincide with deer season, and that's when they're out there and would have that opportunity. And I've heard several reasons why they don't do that, but I, I just think maybe it's time to rethink it with the number of bobcats that we do currently have in this state. Indiana does not allow any harvest of bobcats yet. Um, Part of that was due to a snafu or a mistake made during the comment period where they didn't meet the criteria to have a new regulation to take bobcats, which was very unfortunate because a lot of folks over there were really looking forward to that. It's my understanding they're working on it, and I will tell you, Southern Indiana in particular is absolutely loaded with bobcats. So um, these are things that I hope maybe will provide another unique opportunity, really, for people who, uh, many of whom perhaps have never had the opportunity to to take a bobcat and are seeing them and would like the chance to do so. So I appreciate your thoughts about it. 
All right. Thanks, Jim. See you. Yes, sir, Mark. I appreciate it very much. You know, uh, predator hunting in general is exploding. Um, this is a trend that started probably 15 years ago, and a lot of it was a result of uh, deer hunters seeing predators out there, especially coyotes in particular. And so many of the hunters that I know uh, love the opportunity to shoot coyotes. Uh, they see them frequently, and it kind of adds to the excitement of the hunt. I'm one of them when I'm hunting any kind of critter. If I see a coyote, he's going to be a dead coyote if I've got anything to do with it. Um, they're not a native species here, and they have had a significant impact on a lot of our native game. Uh, fawn deer in particular, uh, numerous studies have shown that they're a very efficient predator on on young deer, and uh, some of the studies that the Quality Deer Management Association uh, have conducted have shown they're very significant in holding back populations, and that's something that's going to be a bit of a problem, I think, moving forward in some of those eastern Kentucky counties that have hit been hit by the EHD as the uh, deer herd over their attempts to rebound I've no doubt in my mind the coyotes are going to be a negative factor that's going to hold it back. To what extent, I don't know, but I know there's lots of bobcats in those and or uh, coyotes in those counties. Bobcats will take a fawn just as readily as a coyote, and the bobcats are in particularly a dangerous predator on turkeys. And a lot of us have concerns about the turkey flock and the numbers as they look at this point, uh, folks that are used to seeing large flocks of turkeys in the wintertime on up into uh, March and what have you are not seeing the numbers of birds that they normally have. Um, some buddies of mine in my circles, Harold Knight and David Hale and Tony Brown and Anthony Brown and uh, serious hunters from around the state have big concerns about the turkey numbers that they're not seeing is a proper way to say it. I know I'm up and down the interstates a lot, uh, up to northern Kentucky, across to the east and south and west. Uh, in my various travels, I do not see anywhere near the turkeys that I used to here in the last couple of years. And, of course, most of that, I think, is, is weather-driven. We've had some very wet uh, springs the last couple of years, and that definitely cuts down on the reproductive effort in a big way because when you have day after day of rain, a hen has trouble keeping all of her poults uh, dry and uh, you know able to, to seek shelter underneath her. And the ones that get wet and chilled uh, tend to, to expire pretty quickly from hypothermia. Um, they also develop respiratory diseases as well. So there's lots of factors that enter into that number of turkeys, but I would have to say in most of the serious turkey hunting circles that I talked to from years past, people that were involved in the stocking efforts back in the day and have watched this progression, they have some pretty big concerns 
about the number of turkeys. So if that's uh, on the top of your mind and you got any comments about it, we'd love to hear from you. Again, we're doing open lines tonight. Numbers are 571-8484 or 1-800-444-8484. This break is presented by Paul Thomas, who's the broker at Mossy Oak Properties, Hart Realty. They're in Mumfordville, Kentucky, and have all kind of farms and wildlife management properties for sale, and they will be glad to help you sell yours. Paul's a hunter and a fisherman. He understands exactly what type of properties outdoor-minded folks are looking for. So give him a shout and check him out at mophartrealty.com. Welcome back to Jim Strader Outdoors. Again, open lines. Numbers 571-8484 or 1-800-444-8484. Been talking a good bit this evening about deer season and the way it went and uh, some of the harvest results to date. One of the things that I did want to comment on was the type of rut that I observed and that a lot of my friends observed, and it was something that I had talked about on on programs leading up to deer season. Uh, we did hit in many of the counties around the state on top of the rut with the opening of the firearm season. But it was a, it wasn't a concerted rut. What I mean by that, there's a term that a lot of folks use. I think it's very appropriate. It's called a trickle rut. And what it means is it's kind of spread out over uh, a two-week period as opposed to a real crescendo of activity that only lasts maybe five days. Uh, In this case, uh, around the state, there was a lot of variations. The western part of the state, uh, bucks were chasing does and breeding does before gun season opened, uh, right there in the first part of November. In central Kentucky, in the bluegrass region, there was a lot of young bucks pestering does leading up to the season, but as the season hit, the rut started to kick in. And in eastern Kentucky, it was pretty well parallel to that. The uh, uh, bucks were seriously out and seeking does uh, and breeding in the uh, framework of the gun season again. And, and again, it yielded some pretty significant numbers. Uh, throughout the state, so we're sitting at uh, 139,875 deer as of today, and again, that does not include deer that will be checked in, obviously, this evening for hunters that uh, hunted late in the day or what have you, but uh, the rut was was a little bit odd in some regards, uh, in my observations and, and a lot of folks I talked to. We did again see, and I was pretty sure what happened, mentioned it uh, before we started muzzleloader season, that I thought we'd see a pretty strong secondary rut, and we did indeed in many of the areas where I've networked with folks. uh, Bucks started scraping right before muzzleloader and continued to seek females uh, throughout that period, and we really jumped in numbers on the muzzleloader harvest, uh, 
best I can recall, uh, right around the end of uh, Modern Fire, we were sitting at like 5,000 and something with a muzzle loader. And now we're at twelve two sixty seven, so a lot of lot of deer taken with a muzzleloader in this late muzzleloader season, and um, the weather was good, and there was secondary rut activity, so that's not a a big surprise. Now there were some very inclement days, but overall there was, you know, the kind of weather where you could get out and and hunt certainly. So I'd love to hear from any of you who. Did a lot of hunting in Lake Muzzleloader and, and what you saw. I know uh, it's still open over in Indiana. I'd love to hear from some of you fellows and gals in Indiana how your muzzleloader season's coming along. I uh, have checked with a lot of deer processors and taxidermists uh, around the state about the deer they took in. And what I saw and what has been reported by most of them is a lot of very nice bucks but not as many really outsized specimens as I honestly thought we would see. And by that, I mean, you know, deer that are, oh, 150 or better, uh, certainly 160 or better, seem to be pretty scarce in in many of these uh, locations. And that surprised me a little bit because they were certainly out there. The trail cam pictures and and, uh, whatnot that were, leading up to the opening of the season, the number of bucks folks were observing in scouting expeditions and seeing during uh, archery season were certainly indicative of a lot of really nice bucks out there. And Again, not that there wasn't a number of them taken, but it didn't quite meet the numbers that I thought I would see, particularly around the uh, taxidermy shops because that's where the big ones usually end up, obviously. So um, if you have any observations about that, I'd love to hear what you've seen and and, uh, what your comments would be. Also, if any of you have been rabbit hunting yet, I'd love to hear about your observations on the number of rabbits because I had great reports coming into the season. The number of young rabbits that were being observed in crop harvest and what have you were really, really good in, in most parts of the state. And the fellows that I know that have had their beagles out, which will increase tremendously, incidentally, now that uh, we've got the gun seasons for the most part behind us, uh, there'll be a lot of reports coming in, and and I'll enjoy sharing those as you call in. Again, uh, squirrel numbers are real good if you got a youngster and want to get them out and just stretch the legs a little bit. You can slip stalk or, or sit in the woods right now, the squirrel rut has started. This makes the males very, very active throughout great portions of the day. The chasing that goes on that's associated with a squirrel rut is fun to watch. And a fellow with a squirrel dog can really have a lot of enjoyment for these next several weeks going forward because you'll often tree two, three, four, as many five or six squirrels in one tree. That's not uncommon at all. As a matter of fact, I fully expect to see that uh, type of situation with my little dog as we move into the holidays. So I uh, would love to hear from you folks about any of those things or if you got any questions about it. The numbers, 571-8484 or 
444-8484. This break is presented by SMI Marine. They're my friends on Westport Road, just north of the Gene Snyder. They got year-end deals on all their electronics and trolling motors, and they've also got dealer invoice pricing on their StarCraft pontoons, express boats, and they have a number of really nice used boats for sale. I want to remind everybody the Sport Boat Vacation Show is just around the corner, January 23rd to the 27th, and SMI will be in booth 4020-4020. Remember, you never get soaked by my friends at SMI. Hey, welcome back to Jim Strader Outdoors, talking all things outdoors tonight. The numbers to call us. 571-8484 or 1-800-444-8484. Lots of things popping out there. We've had the uh, wind down of muzzleloader here in Kentucky, still open in Indiana. We'd love, uh, before the end of program here, to hear from some of you folks in Indiana about your deer numbers. There's a lot of concern and comment from a lot of the counties in the southern part of Indiana about not seeing as many deer. Um, They liberalized their bag limits over there, and and it has definitely reduced the number of deer in many of those counties, especially some of them close to the Ohio River. And uh, some of those folks have shared with me that they're just not seeing as many deer as they used to, which is not uncommon when you increase harvest like that, but... A lot of folks are saying they just didn't see a deer or didn't see a, you know, one single decent buck. And, and that, of course, can be a result of where you hunt or how you're hunting. But uh, a lot of us, I guess, have been spoiled by the numbers of deer that we've had in many places in the past. Uh, Kentucky and Indiana have had serious outbreaks of uh, EHD in some of those areas that knocked the numbers down in addition to the harvest uh, increases. We've seen uh, outfitting becoming a bigger and bigger business that's impacting the numbers of deer. Um, some of these outfitters have thousands of acres leased and rotate huge numbers of hunters through those, those uh, operations that they have. And there's, been a lot of talk about that on on social media and whatnot. So there's a lot of factors that enter into these these deer numbers, and sometimes it's uh, difficult to get your head around where we're headed with that. Let's go to Mike, who's calling from Corinth. Yes, Mike, you're up. Hey, Jim. Uh, I had a question uh, concerning deer harvest reports. Uh, with the numbers being so high, and, and forgive me if you've covered this already. I, I missed the first hour. Uh, with with the, the limiting of the harvest in Zone Four, uh, with with the numbers being what they are, the EHD losses we've had over the last few years seems like a lot of deer harvested this year, uh, even with the reduction of uh, of limits. <clears throat> is that is that concerning to you? And do they put out a number for out of state uh, harvests? Uh, people who, who come from out of state and what they've harvested in the numbers. Okay. Uh, Mike, the numbers that were taken this year in some of the counties that were really impacted by the EHD are concerning to me. 
Um, I think it certainly has to be a result of the lengthening of the season that, uh, you know, put the hunters out there uh, longer. They were in the field longer, able to harvest more bucks. Um, I'm trying to think if I can come up with a county. Well, Wolf County would be a good example because uh, they were hit pretty hard by the EHD. Last year, Wolf harvested 173 deer, 53 to, 53.2% bucks. This year, they harvested 354. They almost doubled their harvest. Wow. And that's a that's a county that was hit hard by EHD, and it was 68% bucks. Now, the percentage of bucks doesn't surprise me because the uh, reduction on doe harvest over there, you know, they readjusted the numbers there, but you still got to kind of scratch your head about, Almost doubling harvest in a, in a county like that that suffered from the EHD. Let's see if I can bring up a couple more for you. I know uh, Morgan County got hit real hard by the EHD. Let's see, Morgan. Last year, uh, 330. This year, 618. So they doubled their kill, wow. even though they were hit by EHD. Uh, quite frankly, that's something that was discussed and debated a lot uh, by hunters statewide. It was a big point of discussion when the deer regulations went to the legislature, and I stood on the side and said, let's let's uh, be cautious here because it doesn't make sense to me to increase season length in counties that have been hit hard by DHD because it's, it's going to take them a long time to rebound. Uh, let's see. Here's, oh, yeah. Yeah. Menifee County is another example. <laughs> Menifee last year, 150. This year, 208. And this year it was 88% bucks. And those of us who went it through EHD in the counties here in the central part of the state and western part of the state, remember it took, gosh, four, five, six years to rebound to the numbers that we had had before. Many of the counties still have it rebounded to the previous numbers and it's a long road back and when you're looking at the low number of deer per mile in some of these counties we're talking about it's going to be a it's going to be a tough road back partner i promise you it is oh i understand so so do, do they do numbers as far as uh the out-of-state license uh what they have harvested are they able to break that down I'm just curious uh, how that's increased. I, I'm sure they can, but I don't have that in front of me, and that'd be an interesting thing to look at because I can tell you this. The, they, they seem to really be promoting it. Well, they do, and a lot of people speculated the main reason the season was extended in eastern Kentucky was response to pressure from the number of outfitters that wanted a longer season over there. I don't know whether yeah, that's true yeah. or not. Uh I would hate to think that's what it was from, but if you look at the results of what that season extension has done in terms of harvest versus trouble in the herd, it makes you kind of scratch your head a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I would like to see those numbers myself, too. Okay. I appreciate it, Jim. All right, Mike. I appreciate you. Let's go to Dan, who's calling from Indiana. Hey, Dan. Hey, Jim. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing just fine, sir. I hope you're doing well. 
Hey, I'm doing well. My wife's in the hospital right now, but we're getting through that, too. I called you, oh, a couple of years ago when my dad passed away. He used to process deer up here in James County. But, uh, you know, on our farm or on our ranch, Jim, our, our deer numbers have been about the same. Uh, we bordered Crosley, and they did uh, reduce their numbers on what you could take in the Crosley Fish and Game Reserve there. They, they, they seen that they needed to cut back on what was being taken. Had a young man on my bus, 16 years old, that got 11-point buck, and he's going to get to help mount him. He's learning taxidermy and going to mount his own buck, so I wanted to share that with you. That's fantastic. Uh, his name's Owen Bonesteel. He's down around Paris Crossing, Indiana. Boy, he was just really proud of the buck he took this year. Fantastic. Was that – how old a youngster is he? He's 16. 16. And, uh, his family all goes hunting. His sisters hunt, and he hunts as, as dad and mother hunt. But boy, he couldn't get on my bus fast enough on Monday morning when he took that buck. He first thing he did was get his cell phone out, and <laughs> he was uh, telling me what all he was doing. And he got to help uh, keep his buck, and he's going to be able to help with the mount and everything. And I think we definitely need to be encouraging the young people to continue hunting and teaching them that. And the fishing and thing is good. And uh, you know, I, I've been told by Jerry Jackson, you like to hunt squirrel with dogs. Is that right? Or oh, not? yeah. Love to. Yeah, I preach down real close to where Jerry and them live down in the Chelsea area down there. Oh, do you? Okay. So, yeah. Good people. Good people. Absolutely. Finest kind, really. I know a lot yeah. of folks over well, in that area, and, and I've enjoyed some great hunts over in that general vicinity. Well, our our deer numbers look pretty good on our ranch, and, you know, I, I've seen some reduction some places, but for the most part where I drive my school bus route, looks about the same. I haven't talked to a lot of hunters this year, but I just wanted to share that about Owen, and we appreciate your show, Jim. Thanks so much. Hey, Dan, it's, it's my pleasure, and I love your report. If you're a school bus driver, you probably see a lot of deer and wildlife. That's one of the pleasures of that job if, if you're in a rural county like that so well I had one day when the snow was on and one kid said probably stinks driving best a day like today and i said no i said this is the greatest job in the world i get paid to hang out with you kids and i get paid to watch the deer and the turkey and everything and i said lord let us see some deer and turkey this morning i broke over a hill and there was a where was a buck and a doe standing looking at a pond with a group of turkeys, and I said, thank you, Jesus. What a great day. <laughs> I hear you, sir. Well, thanks for all you do for the youth, and uh, be careful out there. Quick observation. What's your observation on turkey numbers? You know, I, at our ranch, they're down, but down there where I told you I saw that buck and that doe, I came around the corner, and there was I probably saw a group of about 25 Friday night on the bus. Very good. Dan, yeah, thanks so much for calling. I've got to go to the end of the show here. We're up against hard break. Thanks so much for calling. Folks, enjoyed visiting with you tonight. Again, check with us on Facebook at Jim Strader Outdoors. We'll try to keep you abreast of what's going on. I've been a little behind on getting things posted because I've been hunting a lot, but I promise I'll do better. How's that? All right, we'll visit with you next week. God bless everybody.